Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle of people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I am joined by Michael Moynihan and Matt Welch. It is a pleasure to be with you on what is likely to be our final dispatch of 2022, no, I suspect. No, no I'm not quitting. I'm not, not quite quitting. quitting. We're not I'm quitting. loud no. quitting. But I mean, it's the end of the year. Next week is New Year's, and I can't be sure. I mean, probably before Christmas. Yeah, definitely before Christmas. Don't say definitely. Sunday. Why? Because you got shit to do? I mean, the baby Jesus, we have to celebrate. Is that what this is all about? Jesus, what do you have? His birthday (laughs) or some shit? His birthday. That's a fiction. He is still the reason for the season. Crucifixion fiction. He is the reason for Matt, do you. Camille, despite the fact his (laughs) religiosity. Will not know this, uh-huh. um, but reason for the season, I believe, was the name of either a song or a record by the band Striper. Do you remember Striper, Matt? Do I remember Striper? My brother and his wife. Yes. Uh, I don't know if they met at a Striper concert, but certainly um, oh, it cemented wow. their relationship. Wow. Back when he had hair. Camille, like... I want you to Google this right now because I need your response. Yeah. It's like one of those black Google image videos. Google image it. <laughs> On YouTube, Striper, Striper is S T R Y P E R. Striper so and uh, you can just do like nine, is what you're saying. 1986 would be a good yeah. year to do Google image search that. Or just, it, yeah, yeah. S T or Y or yeah. Bible. You're ready to rock. Bible it's throw. Lot, is that how they, they look like? Yeah, they, that's right. They would throw Bibles in the audience. Yeah. they look a lot. They look like bumblebees. They have black yeah. and yellow. Black and yellow stripes. That is on. Taz. Are my you seeing that shit now? My sister. Absolutely awful. It's they had an album God. called To Hell with the Devil. Yeah, it's a good album. <laughs> it's a, it is. It's Christian metal. <laughs> this is exactly the time when Motley Crue is doing Wait. Shout at the Devil and like it all. It all lined up really well. Actually, I was out uh, at my brother's yeah. a couple of years ago, a couple of Thanksgivings ago, uh, I think it was or something, and they were playing some like absolutely sweet like uh, modern uh, metal of some sort. But it was kind of prog metal. It was just sort of all over the map. And then there's some Jesus lines. And I'm like, are, are you guys doing a 21st century striper? And my sister-in-law, Brandy, was yeah. awesome, was just like, hell yeah. And I forget their name. I'm sorry. I would never thought that I would think about them again. They were um, legitimately great new Christian metal <laughs> 20, in 2020. Can, it's happening. By the, by the way, if I thought, you... I thought you were kidding. They really are a Christian rock. Yeah, band. yeah. Christian, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian no, metal, metal, dude. But, yeah. But by the way, if you Google... It's like Creed. It's the same. It, well, I mean, these guys are a little different. But if you Google <laughs> this, one of the results is the internet wonders whether Ted Cruz was secretly in Striper. Mm. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a photo. It looks he looks like Ted Cruz in Striper. Wow, that, yeah, that, no, that's him. I think this oh, is oh that little guy. Yeah, it's yeah, him. it's definitely Ted Cruz. So just Ted to Cruz re- is Striper. Just to reiterate what we've Kennedy. learned this week is Dad killed Wait. Kennedy, um, but actually the <laughs> yeah. CIA did it according to Tucker Carlson. Yeah, uh, and also Ted Cruz yeah. was in Striper. This is good. So yeah, Ted Cruz was in Striper, and Marco Rubio was in a gay porno. Was he? Is that a rumor? That was a Trumpian rumor. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. one. I, I, knew that I don't Lauren think Trump Bober. made it up, but it was it was no, like, Ma- not, no, no, Marjorie Taylor Greene was on 
um, Dancing with the Stars or no American be, Idol. You can be the talent or whatever it's called. It's American Idol. It's American <laughs> Idol. Now I don't. I don't actually know if that was Marjorie. No, Taylor it was not. Green. I it mean, I, not. I watched it. Yeah, it, it did was, look like. Yeah, her. it did. Yeah. Dude. Like a lot. It was sassy. Yeah. It's, it's a big Apparently tricep. Her and uh, Bo Barrett, though, are, their feud, their feud is, uh, is breaking wide this week. Yeah. Battle for the basement. Yeah. These two Bo, dummies. Bo Barrett. <laughs> well, I mean, Bo Barrett took a shot, said that she doesn't believe in the Jewish space lasers, and that really yeah. set Marjorie Taylor Greene off. Yeah, she was like, fuck <laughs> you. Those are true. Like, I'll real. zap you with one if I was a Jew, but I'm not. They so must, you're fine. <laughs> they must have done some serious competitive non-clapping at the Zelensky speech tonight at the uh, in the Congress. Oh, wow. There's like Bo Bear. So you watched the, the. I watched all of it, man. I watched the press you watched conference. The Z-Man speech. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Z-Man, the first uh, the first question at uh, the press conference was by our friend Alex Nazaren, whose name I will never pronounce correctly, but uh, who's a listener to this podcast, and he asked the very uh, first question. It was mm-hmm. very good. Um, and was unlike, was it was said? it about his outrageous wardrobe choice today, which I, I've seen some people very upset about. Uh, what was you wearing? A he fucking just, cape or something? He just <laughs> he did the 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 mustard uh, the mustard olive you know uh, sweatshirt and pants. Mustard olive? You know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> it's not mustard. It's just olive. It's actually, this, Wait, actually like, you the, are wearing that. Take a screenshot of that shit. You are wearing Zelensky's sweatshirt right now. It just needs a little like it's not my, Azov Battalion. Uh, I don't know who it is uh, on it. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, I can imagine people aren't going to be happy on the uh, Fox News uh, end of it because I, I just clicked on an AP story. And behind Zelensky speaking, leaning into mm-hmm. his microphone is Nancy Pelosi and uh, Kamala Harris, fresh back from the border, um, holding, <laughs> holding a Ukrainian flag, yeah. which appears yes. to have all the autographs of the Miami Heat on it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's, <laughs> who's written on it. But, uh, Mr. Mr. Zelensky brought that with him. Those are Ukrainian soldiers. Oh, good. So they were on that. the front. Oh, brought that. Okay. And, and, uh, they're the ones that yeah. he visited on the front lines in Bahmet or whatever it's called um, uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, among the uh, yeah. critics of his sartorial uh, choices was, and, and it was a mild criticism, was uh, Coco, uh, my uh, my daughter. Uh, she sat and watched it with me, and oh. she's like, uh, 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 and these, "These are direct quotes." Uh, I thought it was pretty poetic, um, but I uh, but I did expect him to wear a business suit. <laughs> You know, yeah, some yeah. people. <laughs> Peter Schiff because was really mad about that. Um, uh, you know, was he really? He wow. was. He's like, you know, Peter Schiff. Uh, you could wear your military uh, outfit, or you could wear a suit, but just you know, it's disrespectful um, to not uh, to not wear. I mean, I, I kind of get it. Seriously, yeah. what? Fuck off! No, it's, it's, I don't get it. Um, like, no. Why? Like, would he would he say anything if somebody from you know some tribe came in in tribal outfit and they'd be like, no? Wear a suit. It's like the guy wears uh, his military gear because his country has been invaded by the Russians, and he is the commander in chief. And he's going to wear his commander in chief outfit where, wherever he goes. I'm sorry that in Ukraine, that is an olive green t shirt and a pair of like um, <laughs> cargo pants that Matt would wear. I would totally and some wear boots. I would. I might cut them off, you know, in the summer. You know, I mean. I Seriously, just, if if John Fetterman can wear his like basketball shorts, yeah, with exactly, stains, <laughs> suspicious grease stains yeah, around exactly. the crotch and, exactly. and leg area, he's got fucking I think to stake him on his chest, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, amazing, he's working class." Yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> this is completely ridiculous. Um, but but we can address ourselves to to the drama today because uh, Joe Biden and Zelensky meet at the White House, mm-hmm. um, and then Zelensky gives this this speech uh, in front of Congress. 
Um, and he, I guess, is going to get some this Patriot missile system that he's been after for a very long time. Yeah. He's finally going to get it, um, along with a lot of money. Um, and many people are upset about the amount of money he's receiving. Uh, some people are, are outraged. They feel as though this is a shakedown. I saw um, one one congressional representative suggest that there was a, a Ukrainian lobbyist visiting Capitol Hill today and that he would uh, abstain from attending um, the speech. Um, That's former Fifth Column guest was, Thomas uh, Massey. Tom Massey? Thomas former Massey. guest, yeah. yes, on the oh, we should yeah. then he might be available now. We should call him. No, I think he's at home over. taking pictures of his family for a Christmas card with a Patriot missile system <laughs> standing in front of because you know, don't fuck with him, his family's armed. Uh, no, yeah, should... a Ukrainian lobbyist. I'm sure that you know, this this definitely he's definitely never spoken to an, an actual lobbyist before. I, I know that that's true. <laughs> I mean, so, um, yeah. what are you going to get out of Thomas Massey? Um, that's <laughs> It's uh, and I say that with with, uh, with <laughs> exactly. respect. A like, Christmas card. Of he's not going to get you anything. <laughs> That's really useful. Yeah. Um, but let's get into this because I, I mean, there's been a great deal of upset um, in various circles, libertarian circles as well. There's criticism of the spending, and I'm, I'm it's a lot I'm of money because I know that <laughs> there's been a lot of support for the Ukrainian effort here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You have thoughts on the the latest round of spending. Is is this a, an escalation of any sort? Certainly, Putin has expressed some dissatisfaction with the latest developments. Yeah, it's shocking that he doesn't like it when people give weapons to the country that he invaded. <laughs> yeah, uh, they find that defensive find defensive that weapon that. systems, defensive mm-hmm. weapon systems. Yeah. There will be a point, and actually, it was one of the most interesting parts of the speech tonight. I, I, I actually was in the uh, a press conference maybe alluded to a little bit in the speech, someone asked uh, Zelensky about what the notion of just peace would look, look like, right? Yeah, as in a just peace, not uh, only, mm-hmm. only peace, mm-hmm. uh, because that's a phrase that Joe Biden has, has uh, uh, pointed out. And Zelensky gave a pretty rough uh, uh, kind of summation of like how pissed off Ukrainians are. He's like, the phrase just peace is a little bit hard uh, to swallow for people whose children have been murdered by a bomb. And the longer that the war goes on and the more people um, get murdered by bombs by a, a terrorist uh, invader next door, um, the more that they're going the, they're going to be more disinterested in the notion of just peace and interested in the notion of vengeance. Um, and he said this as kind of more observational than threatening. And I think it's it's actually a correct point to put out. At some point, um, and he described the um, the battle going on right now in Donbass as being potentially the turning point in the war. And he's probably exaggerating that, but who knows? Maybe it's true. I just presume so because right, right that it's a bit exaggerated because Congress is literally going to approve that $45 billion sometime in the next 12 hours, maybe, as we're talking, mm-hmm. because they're doing their annual throw it all into one bill, must pass, never read, uh, $1.7 trillion bill. Of which $45 billion for Ukraine. Omnibus. Uh, isn't it? The Cromnibus. Yeah. The Crapnibus is there. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, you will describe that as a hinge point at, the, at that moment. But there will be a hinge point at some point where Ukraine will obviously win and push Russia out of everywhere except Crimea and then go, hmm, should we do that too? Um, and they probably will. And at some point they're going to – and they've kind of already sent missiles in this direction. They're going to cross the border. 
because they're going to be pissed off and they're going to be kind of right to be pissed off. So it's mm-hmm. going to be uh, that's going to be a dicey thing to manage. And there's a reason why America is trying to always give and almost even reluctantly so defensive weapons systems. He had appointed a point in the um, speech tonight uh, in Congress saying that, hey, look, we've been clear from the beginning. Um, we do not need any of your boots on the ground um, at all. We are perfectly capable of fighting and of flying your planes <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. and driving your tanks. We know how to do that. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's here um, uh, uh, rattling the cup for more and more and more. And there was even sort of uh, joke lines, both in the speech and the press conference, talking about how he's uh, sort of uh, eternally dissatisfied, at least going back for more. And both of the questions from Ukrainian journalists, of course, it's all state journalists now, you know, they start, they're like, uh, question for President Biden. Thank you much for all the arms. Why don't you give us everything all the time? Because our children will die otherwise. Those are the types of uh, questions from the independent uh, journalists there. I get the arguments the people raised. Rand Paul has uh, has put in an amendment saying we should uh, audit where that money goes. I'm totally good with that, and they're not going to audit it, and it's not going to be spent uh, beautifully <laughs> and perfectly. And there's going to be it's Ukraine. It's it was nope. one of the most corrupt countries in uh, Western or Central Europe for a long time. Anyways, in the middle of a war, it's not going to go all that pretty. And it is a lot. It's a fuck ton of money that we are we have been throwing in there. Um, and here's the thing that my libertarian or uh, progressive anti-war friends can't wrap their heads around because they're just at this point incapable of making strategic arguments um, aimed at public uh, acceptance is that this shit's popular. Um, just like uh, mm-hmm. and this is a, a similar thing that goes with uh, U.S. military aid and otherwise to Israel uh, and to all the Anglosphere countries. That is what is popular. Um, it's a little less popular now because we've thrown a lot of money at it at the at the problem, um, and so understandably people are going into it. But uh, people who think that they can combat the public argument by putting on their Twitter feeds pictures of Zelensky uh, and then like a pencil photoshopped in Hitler mustache, um, you are not. Going, you're not convincing anyone except of your uh, juvenile status in this world. You ha- American public opinion is actually important in uh, American foreign policy to a way, and I've mentioned this many times in the past, that neoconservatives and interventionists uh, uh, discredited uh, for way too long. They thought that we could just, as John McCain once said, have our troops there for 100 years, 50, 100 years. Well, who, what does it matter? What matters is that there's a break on this stuff, which is American public opinion. But that works in the other direction, too. When someone is playing defense and fighting for their own damn country uh, against a ruthless terroristic, genocidal even, uh, uh, a neighborhood bully, um, they're going to be popular with Americans. And you, if you really are serious about trying to limit the amount of money, and I get the arguments and and, uh, empathize with many of them, um, you need to take that into account and not just draw a fucking Hitler mustache on a guy who's fighting for his country. And and people are incapable of doing that. They just make stupid memes of him. Um, uh, He's also Jewish, by the way. He's also Jewish. It was a Libertarian Party of Georgia uh, tweeted out, photoshopped him clumsily on the face of a January 6th protester. 
um, and had him carrying this huge stack of money and then saying, um, <laughs> today was a worse day on Capitol Hill than January 6th. And the, and the National Libertarian Party fucking mashed the retweet button on that. Like, yeah, that's it. How, they, that, how, yeah. They, how are they doing electorally? Yeah, I think they're going to be they, fucking kicking ass with that type of Not bold, they breaking, persistent they messaging. This yeah. Time? yeah. No, it's yeah. amazing that this kind of messaging doesn't work um, when people tend to be sympathetic to a country that was brutally invaded by its bigger, stronger, um, far more authoritarian, dic- dictatorial neighbor. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm baffled by it, to be honest. And you do, at the end of the day, realize that it's just tribalism. Is that, you know, as I said before we started, that there was a photo, maybe it was after we started, the photo of Nancy Pelosi and uh, Kamala Harris holding the Ukrainian flag that apparently, as you say, Matt, was given to them by Zelensky, behind Zelensky during his speech. And they both have these kind of beaming smiles in their faces. And that's enough for most, most people to realize what side they're on. And they're on the other side. It might not, might not be the Putin side, but it's don't give those people money side. We're also tired of Zelensky. I, I'm, I guarantee you that Zelensky is tired of being Zelensky in this capacity and would like to not be this person anymore would like to be the leader of a country that is at peace and is not constantly uncovering torture chambers and dungeons in which children, um, civilians, old people were, were murdered and tortured. Uh, that's, not, that's not a myth. You c- I mean, typically what happens in these things, when, when America or Americans' allies um, uncover these sorts of things, whether it's Srebrenica in, um, in the Bosnian uh, uh, crisis in Serbia, or it is, you know, any any of these. I mean, look, Noam Chomsky um, denied North Vietnamese massacres uh, in 1968. There was a, a whole bunch of these, and said no, that wasn't true. He then went on to deny that what happened in Cambodia was actually happening. And you can find this everywhere. So if you see Bucha and all of these um, well documented war crimes, massive, like really brutal war crimes, uh, Zelensky was speaking yesterday. And giving a giving a, a speech, uh, and you can hear bombs blowing up behind him. I, I mean, that's one way of living. Amer- imagine how Americans would feel in a situation like that. They would not handle this in the way that, oh, go home, stop asking for money. You're a small country that was riven with corruption. And yes, Zelensky, when he came into power, didn't do anything that he said he was going to do. Not didn't do anything, but didn't rid it of corruption. It's that's a pretty deeply felt thing in Ukraine, which is ultimately the fault of the Soviet Union, being a vassal state of the Soviet Union, created all of these situations. Had it been a dem- democracy from 1917 to today, it would be a, in a very different position. But no, this is the, the embers of, of the Soviet Union. And to go around asking people for, for, for assistance, um, I don't know why people find that offensive. I don't know what you would do, but I would do the same fucking thing particularly when you know that if you actually have the resources, you can stave off this invasion. It's brutal. I mean, brutality of it is really can't be understated. I mean, it's a terrorist campaign now. Definitionally a terrorist campaign. What are the Russians doing now that they, they were stopped in their tracks? They couldn't take Kiev in a day. They had to back out. They, they've been pushed back in various places and, they're, you know, coming back fighting now. They had to call people up from, you know, the Caucasus, random places to pull them in to fight on behalf of the Russian army. What do they do now? Well, they hit the power grid. 
It's very cold in Ukraine. Mm. It's not cold in the way that it's cold in New York. It's very cold in Ukraine. And they're trying to starve people to death. They're trying to freeze them out. That's terrorism. It's terror against the population. And this is, this is just in the past weeks. In the past weeks, yeah. they have deliberately been targeting electrical grids to sap the confidence of the Ukrainians who had very high confidence because they had been winning on the battlefield and winning against a very, very large neighbor who everybody thought, including myself, would cut through them like a hot knife through butter. And they didn't. And if they didn't have the weapons from Estonia, from Poland, from Germany, from Sweden, from the UK, from the United States, this wouldn't have happened. They would be a vassal state of Russia as they were during the Soviet Union. And God knows what would happen to these people and what that country would be like when it was under the occupation of Russia. I mean, it was already under the, like the Yanukovych government was an occupation government in a way, but not in in a very explicit way. They were just pro-Russian in the way that like the Ivanishvili Georgian dream government is a little too pro-Moscow and they're sort of torturing Saakashvili now in Georgia. This stuff happens in the region. When you are talking about what you feel about Zelensky on Fox News, you're talking about domestic politics. You're not talking about Ukrainian politics. You're talking about American politics. And fine, say that. I'm a Republican and I am on the other side of what Joe Biden does. I think this is a scam because, I mean, it's amazing that the the Republican Party and its sycophants and the moronic libertarian parties who disgrace themselves literally every time they open the Twitter app believe themselves to be this kind of nouveau Chomskyites. Good for you. Good for you. Didn't work out in the past. Not going to work out now. And I'm happy Ukraine's winning. And if you're not, then I'm sorry. You can have a very, very obvious and easy debate about the amount of money that's being spent. And I, I encourage that debate. And I actually think that when you said about Rand Paul saying, let's have an audit of this, I totally agree. We don't have an audit of anything. But that $1.7 trillion spending bill has far more offensive things in it to me uh, than, than spending for Raytheon and these companies to replenish stocks that have gone to Ukraine. I don't, I, I, I'm not offended about that. I question it. I don't know if it's the right use. I think it may be too high of a number. I don't know. I would, you know, I'm Trumpian in the sense that I want other people to contribute. I want to make sure that the others are contributing. I know other countries are contributing um, quite aggressively too. Um, but, but, but we're you know, dominating you have these that. Other, yeah. We're dominating that. Sure, we're yeah. a bigger country. We have a lot more money to spend. But Estonia, I think per capita is beating right. everybody. <laughs> it's right up there, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's like seven people and they're like, let's give everything. Yeah, yeah You can have my <laughs> Ford Opel from 1985. <laughs> Put bombs in back. It's like, oh, fine. <laughs> but these people that, that, that um, go out there and say, you know, giving these defensive weapons and the Patriot, Patriots to Ukraine is... Um, Provoking the Russians. Do you think it's provoking when the Russians invade a sovereign country and their border and murder like thousands and thousands of people? I think that's kind of provoking, too. At a minimum, we could say that's provocative to murder people. Could you imagine going to Putin and saying, don't do that? You might (laughs) provoke the West. He doesn't give a fuck. That's not how they think. They hope that we think that way. You're provoking. You're provoking. It's like, no, the provocation was the invasion. I don't, I'm not, I'm not allowing people to take things from us, to buy things from us, to not buy things from us, to be, be gifted things from us. So they can use in their own defense is something that does not offend me. In the same way, I said this to you, Matt, in somebody's tweet about this, um, you know, can we blame the Ukrainians or blame the Russians when they start attacking, attacking American uh, people and facilities? 
for giving weapons to those who need them. Yeah, and like I should, wondered. The, yeah. the the question was like, since we're giving them um, uh, Patriot uh, uh, anti missile weapons, does that mean basically that America is a legitimate target right now? So fascinating Twitter. I mean, poll. that's yeah. I mean, I just don't I don't understand how that works. Actually, it's a defensive system. It is meant to knock down threats from yeah. the air. It's, and if those threats don't come, then you, you can't really use yeah, it, it for that purpose. Yeah, it's purpose. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like exactly. saying... Stop bombing civilians in Ukraine. It's an incoherent question. Yeah. It's like giving, yeah. uh, you know, helping and paying for much of the Iron Dome in Israel. Uh, does that mean... Made, also made by Raytheon. Uh, does that Partially mean made by Raytheon, yeah. that uh, Hamas and Hezbollah has the right to bomb America? That's mm-hmm. what that means. That's the question. I mean, I think they'd probably say yes to that. I suppose so. It just seems um, a little bit strange. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's I think they'd probably say yes. I mean, I made the, bad jo- answer. the joke that, you know, you're essentially at that point saying that um, victims of crimes can sue gun manufacturers because they gave them to the criminal, right? And the criminal, I'm not saying Ukraine's <laughs> a criminal. It's not an exact parallel. But I'm just saying that, like, you, get, you give somebody something, they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Um, would it be okay? Would we not be targets if they paid for it in cash? I mean, are we targets of the Iranians because we give money, give weapons to the Saudis? Uh, you can keep playing this game. I mean, everybody sells weapons or gives weapons or whatever it might be to everybody else. It's an amazingly cheap and and lazy point to say that we are now ourselves targets because we give weapons to those who have been invaded. Sorry, I don't buy it. One point that Thomas Massey tried to make uh, tonight uh, was that um, uh, this money is not being uh, you know, gifted because, you know, uh, uh, Zelensky said, thank you, America, for the gift of money and, uh, and weapons that you've given us. And he's like, that's not a gift. It's been extorted from the American people. And again, going back to the, the notion of public um, sentiment, um, that's not true, really, I don't think. If you just made this unusually for contemporary Congress, a standalone vote, (laughs) they don't do those anymore. But if you just said, uh, hey, buddy, uh, do you want to vote for forty five billion dollars? Hell, one hundred billion dollars for Ukraine right now. The people in the House of Representatives who are elected to represent human beings who vote um, every two years. So they have to have their be uh, susceptible to public sentiment. Um, would overwhelmingly they might they might vote for it by four hundred to ten, like it would be gigantic how much that vote mm-hmm. would go through. It reflects public sentiment. I, mm-hmm. I am one who thinks and has said in uh, many different contexts that this week's and probably tomorrow's as we're taping this on Wednesday um, passage of the one point seven trillion dollar Cromnibus thing. That again, no one is going to read. Maybe one or two members will speed read it 4, somehow. Four thousand odd pages, right? It's, it's, un- it's very, very long. Literally unreadable. All kinds of like important yeah. things are thrown in there, like the the election electoral account reform act. That's being stuffed in there. Could have been debated and talked about, which is improved. bizarre. Um, yeah. Well, they're, since they're not going to do any other business, besides, of course, we should point out that um, I believe it's this week, but definitely last week they passed, and this week Joe Biden will probably sign the eight hundred and fifty-eight billion dollar uh national defense authorization act just the annual here here you go pentagon um uh check which is just a gigantic sum of money i mean five six years ago it was 
we were in the 600s or even the high 500s and people are like wow uh, that's what's never going higher than that uh it's crazy and all this stuff is happening without much debate um kind of last minute i'm a critic against all of that i think it's all terrible and it's an indictment of every bad thing about washington nowadays members of congress don't vote on don't propose amendments don't do anything really there's about five to eight people who decide on how bills get passed and it sucks uh and 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 pass into law so i'm i'm copacetic with all of those arguments and if you made this a standalone bill and everyone had to vote um thomas massey would not for the first time (laughs) be overwhelmingly (laughs) outvoted um and so you have to come up with some other argument this is it is a rare thing in uh in the last 50 40 years um, of geopolitics for a large country to launch a war of annexation against a neighbor. Can we say one thing about the anti-war types, though? I would I would be more sympathetic to them if they would, at the same time of denouncing the person who's been invaded. <laughs> this is an amazing thing about being anti-war, is you're denouncing the person who is invaded by the imperial country, is to spare a word for, for the imperial um, designs that Russia has on various places in in um, Ukraine, saying, "Oh, they provoked it." I mean, this is the, literally the arguments that were made about Iraq. The same arguments were made about Iraq. The same arguments were made about Afghanistan, um, and they oppose those wars. I'm trying to think. There's something else going on here, and it's not just a a you know a, a generic anti-war sentiment. Um, I, I don't think that's actually what's happening here. What what do you think is happening? I can guess, and I think the guess is is about where that war making is coming from. Um, if if it were generically anti war, they would be protesting in front of the Russian embassy, in the way that people protested during the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War, Libya, etc. Mm. Um, but you notice, particularly in Europe, that when these things happen, the 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 protest against the Iraq War convulsed Europe um, so much that, you know, Ian McEwan wrote a novel about it. Saturdays basically starts an, an anti-war protest in, in, in London. You know, hundreds of thousands of people come out. Now, granted, that's different in London because they were belligerent in the war in Iraq. But, you know, Germany, same thing. Sweden, when I first got there, huge anti-war protests. They don't really happen for other countries waging wars. Now, do they? They don't when the Russians decide to bomb the fuck out of Syria which they did in a amazingly destructive way. Um, they don't do so when Russia invades Ukraine. They say things publicly. But the anti-war types, the Ramsey Clark types, the international answer types, they don't dislike war. They dislike when the Americans wage war. That's it. They don't dislike war generically. Because they, a, one would imagine they would, they would oppose this stuff too with the same vim and the same, because human lives are at stake here too. One of my um, favorite essays that touches on this topic uh, in history was from around 1988-ish during the Cold War by Václav Havel. Uh, It's called Anatomy of Reticence or of a reticence. And he's trying to talk about um, uh, why he's never felt totally comfortable with Western European and American Uh, peace activists because if you're a peace activist in the 1980s that means uh, you're uh, primarily against 
the deployment of Western nuclear weapons on German soil and on European soil. It's no nukes. Mm-hmm. Don't want this. Um, and people, no Pershings. Yeah. No Pershings. People are really upset about the presumed uh, nuclear belligerence of Ronald Reagan, which is kind of ri- ridiculous in retrospect, looking back. Um, Very but much so, yeah. At the time, that was such a white-hot belief um, uh, among people that he was just like itching uh, for the uh, opportunity to launch a nuclear war, when in fact he was animated by much the opposite. Um, so anyways, uh, Havel's point was, when I see all these peace activists talking uh, forever about uh, hating uh, imperial aggression during the Cold War by one of the main belligerents, and when I see them absolutely silent when the Soviet Union launches an invasion in Afghanistan, doesn't say a word, I have to come to the conclusion that um, the principle that they're after is not necessarily peace. If they would, they would, they would have at least mentioned this. It has not come up. Um, so it's the same argument that Michael is making only by someone who's actually a good writer. I, I'm just trying to see if Michael's listening to it. <laughs> He's actually um, smart. <laughs> he, stood, he stood up. I'm just trying. Heroic person. Uh, like an actual hero. He probably wrote it like me. from fucking prison. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's quite likely. Yeah. But no, it's great. Go seek it out uh, because it gets to this point. I, exactly. Um, are you actually consistently against war or are you just primarily focused? And it's okay to say that you are. And Glenn Greenwald, when he was with us at least once, we kind of talked about that. He felt uncomfortable criticizing other countries. He feels like it's his duty to criticize the United States most of all. That's the protagonist of the story. I, th- mm-hmm. I think the uh, mm-hmm. the Libertarian Party uh, national uh, Twitter account right now has as its pinned tweet like the biggest danger to the world or something like that. Are these people not the foreign enemy? And it's all pictures of like American uh, politicians and, uh, and you know, uh, national security state types. Um, I get that as a, a kind of commitment that one makes as a citizen. I can control my own tax dollars. I have, there's more of a kind of moral necessity mm-hmm. to do that. And that's fine if you're self-aware about it. If you're not self-aware about it and you cloak it into a universal appeal, chances are I'm not going to believe it until I see it uh, applied in circumstances that um, go against your clearly you know, demonstrated priors. I, I want to talk about the fiscal profligacy of Congress, who has for decades now depended upon these continuing resolutions as opposed to actually passing budgets. And Matt, you mentioned a few times that this is where the American people are, that the the conflict in Ukraine supporting this effort um, financially and in other ways by sending materials is something that is generally popular um, with the American people. But it's also the case that Americans keep voting for congressional representatives who don't seem to have any interest whatsoever in a sober approach to governance that involves actually paying a little bit of serious attention to where the money is going, 
for the most part, to the extent there's any concern about these issues in recent years, it's about the government shuts down, shutdowns that occasionally mm-hmm. happen when we kind of careen, when everything careens to a stop because you can't reach any sort of agreement on how to allocate funds. And it's interesting that this time around, as Democrats are um, in the, the twilight of Nancy Pelosi's reign over Congress and um, the, the control is going to roll over to Republicans, the particular continuing resolution that has been put in front of folks for approval, as you mentioned, Matt, with very little time to spare. I think Friday is the de- is the deadline, yeah. right, yeah. to pass something. Otherwise, the government shuts down. And the bill is crammed full of all sorts of stuff that should be debated and passed individually to the extent people want policy changes. But that's what's there. And that's what's on offer. And to the extent Republicans were to balk at this and say we won't vote for it, my suspicion is that most of the national media narrative would be about the recklessness of permitting government to shut down of course. Um, because of not passing this omnibus budget again. But is is there any hope whatsoever? And it, this this actually seems like a bit of a continuation of a conversation we had not so long ago about the kind of government um, that people ought to be voting for and perhaps the kind of conservatism that Republicans might offer the American people. It, it certainly doesn't seem like there's any kind of political pressure on Democrats to do anything different. And certainly when Trump was in office, he was happy to engage in this kind of reckless spending the only pressure on the Republican side is just sort of knee-jerk oppositional pressure. So Kevin McCarthy, right. who's right. trying really hard to uh, win uh, the election to Speaker of the House, and I really hope that he continues to kind of not win and it's just protracted and everyone is in agony because it's all just so richly deserved. Like uh, right now it's Kevin McCarthy and Andy Biggs is coming at him. And Andy Biggs crazy, people. Kevin McCarthy might be stupid, <laughs> but Andy Biggs crazy. Um, and so Kevin McCarthy is putting on a big show, as are a lot of House Republicans, like they're to demonstrate that they're real serious hard asses uh, is by saying that they're completely against this one point seven trillion dollar thing, which I am, too. I, I hasten to add um, that none of them ran on um, not doing this. None of them ran mm-hmm. on this is not the way that we should conduct business in Congress, let alone. That's right. Yeah. We need to really rein There's in. There's no spending. one to vote for, Camille. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. so like it wasn't it wasn't part of this, and I and I wrote about this and have talked about it here at least once or twice. Um, when Democrats were trying to like gin up a scare that Republicans were going to shut down the entire international economy um, as soon as the election was over, um, that like no, they actually you have to run, you have to campaign at least a little bit. On doing stuff like that, or even the principles that would get you to that. We're just not in that universe anymore. And we haven't been ever since uh, basically Donald Trump. And I'm not blaming Donald Trump in this in this case, necessarily. Um, It's I'm blaming the people who uh, took his victory in the primaries in 2015 and 16 and said, "Okay, we are going to absolutely subsume everything that brought us up to this point. I mean, there was really interesting ferment in the Republican Party from 20, 2009 to 2015, essentially. <laughs> the Tea Party wave, including Thomas Massey, uh, including uh, Rand Paul and other people, uh, who really were hard asses about this. We had year-over-year military spending cuts in this country. I swear to God, it really did happen. It's happened twice in my lifetime now. Uh, once was in around t- 2011, 12, and 13, 
um, partly because there was a bipartisan concern back then, which there isn't now at all, about reforming old age entitlements. Um, and then there was also one right after the um, uh, end of the Cold War and the uh, kind of peace dividend. That's it. You know, $858 billion, billion, it's crazy. But to specifically answer your question, it's not part of politics right now. It will, uh, I think, the only way that it becomes part of politics, and keep in mind, we we the the government, the federal government's debt in the month of November, the month was $249 billion. The yeah. month. That was the definition. We're, def- th- we're at $31, $31 trillion right now. It's 50%. Imagine that. We're just running a 50% of spending is debt now because debt service, of course, has gone through the roof because what happens mm-hmm. hmm, when you have inflation that goes up and, and, uh, and borrowing costs and the Fed rate goes up? Um, so, But I think it's going to take some moment of um, – and right now the closest one is the uh, mandatory haircut that comes – with some social security payments, if as soon as that uh, trust fund no longer has enough money, even theoretical money to pay out, everyone gets a 25% across the board cut. And that will focus at least some brains. But that's not in front of us. Um, That's, you know, that's five years in front of us. And no one can think five years in front of us. So I'm incredibly pessimistic about where people are right now. This stuff's going to pass this week. It's not going to be a problem. There isn't politics about it. There isn't conflict about it. The conflict is basically mm-hmm. between Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, and McConnell will squash him like a fucking bug, um, and then they'll you, move on to the next you, thing. This, I don't understand how people get exercised about FTX, and they don't get exercised about the United States government, which is effectively the same thing. I mean, the, the U.S. government, it's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme in the sense that we have $31 trillion in debt, which has created inflation and made everything more expensive for everybody that's, you know, trying to live paycheck to paycheck and essentially living hand to mouth now uh, because of this unbelievable printing of money and spending of money. There's no debate about it. that's where it comes from. But you have this omnibus spending bill thrown under the omnibus is the name of the P.J. Rourke book, <laughs> which I always thought was very funny. Um which is, here's a bunch of legislation we wanted to get passed, but we couldn't get passed. We'll throw it all together in this this one bouillabaisse at the end of the year of all different things, and you're just going to like it. The scam of it, and listen, people, this there's no other way to put it, is a scam. Would you pay for something? Would you agree to something that was 4,250-odd pages that you only had a day to read and agree to it. Imagine if a lawyer came to you with that agreement. Here's the agreement. You're saddled to this. You're tied to it. It's 4,500 pages. We got to agree by Friday. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? No, no, no. This is the design of it. We're doing this on purpose because we're trying to scam you. We're trying to push things past that you would object to. And if you don't, if, if you were to actually object to it, we would hold the government hostage and garbage would pile up at national parks, and the government would shut down. Imagine this. It's, this is a Mexican standoff. Is that, can I say that now? Uh, yeah, no. just say not uh, in a good it's way. Fine. Uh, most of the Mexican standoffs <laughs> oh. great. Okay. I we was just saying, this Mexican. is a BIPOC standoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of BIPOC standoff be cannot, worse. Can, cannot <laughs> happen. 
But imagine this kind of thing. I mean, we have taken this as just the way the government does business, which is to ram things down our throat. We don't have time to object to it. We don't have time to debate it. We can't, as Camille pointed out, actually object to some or, or object to the people in Congress now and vote for somebody who wants less spending or more oversight of this stuff because it never happens. And when they do say that they want that, they come and they're co-opted by government. The whole thing's an, it's like, it's, I was going to say a Chinese finger trap. I would say, um, Asian Pacific Islander finger trap. We can't, you can't get out of it. Right. Are we committed so to I just, Kari yet? No, he was the announcer for the Cubs. It's, that's, that's right. different. Um, That's what I'm telling you, Michael. All right. All right. right. Um, It's a West West Taiwan finger trap as well. Yeah, the West West Taiwan. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a scam, and we know it's a scam, and we just try to imagine how much tolerance we have for particular scams. And when the spending gets Mm. so great, and when the debt gets $31 trillion, $400 $400 billion for student loan forgiveness, which is lunacy in almost every way. $400 billion. That's a half a trillion dollars almost, right? We have 31 of those. That would actually make a dent. Significant dent. It's not like in the past when people said, oh, conservatives want to cut funding to PBS. It's 0.001% of the budget. Well, this is actually kind of significant. The $400 uh, billion for, for student loan forgiveness. Let's take a mm-hmm. crack at that and say, fuck you. We, don't, we can't afford it. <laughs> we just can't afford it. I'm sorry. I want to buy my daughter the fucking Xbox, but I can't afford it because I just got it laid off from my job. That is a conversation you can have. Just right? I'm sorry. Let's teach York. the just fiscal lessons. Yeah, I know. I just probably one I can get down on Canal Street. Tuck, I'm just tucked just, inside of an old YSL bag. <laughs> I'm just remembering it was 2011 when Paul Ryan had those videos about the two futures. And he was projecting like the budget deficit out to 2050 with a bar going up and up. And I think he was, I don't think, I know that in 2020, he was saying it would be 90%, that the public Mm -hmm. debt would be 90% of of GDP. GDP. And it's actually worse than that now. Yeah. The worst case scenario. Which is great. Um, So since Paul Ryan happened to be right about that, his 2050 projection was that it would be 344% of GDP. That sounds about right. That That's something to look forward to in the future. Barack Obama, when he was running for president, described George W. Bush's, and of course it's not George W. Bush, it's the Congress, but he signs the stuff into law, um, mm-hmm. the, the doubling of the national debt under his watch from five uh, yes. trillion to ten trillion. He described that as un-American, um, which is not mm-hmm. a phrase that I would use. I'm sensitive about such language, um, but I get the sentiment. <laughs> he also said, Barack Obama, in an interview in mid-January of 2009, right before um, uh, being sworn in uh, as president, uh, he said that uh, people have been kicking the can on entitlement reform uh, um, for years, decades, and it's not going to happen on my watch. And he did, you know, create a bipartisan commission to try to look at this, and it led to, but it actually led to those aforementioned sequestration cuts and some other interesting mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of policy, short term, um, you know. But for four years or so, that was definitely part of the landscape of <laughs> of the discussion. Uh, the national debt under his watch went from ten uh, trillion to twenty uh, trillion. Donald Trump runs for president. And doesn't run on this, as we've mentioned uh, previously. He ran explicitly against 
Paul Ryan and everything that he stood for and all the bee encounters and that kind of stuff. Uh, but at one dumb interview, uh, he said, like, oh, well, just uh, I think I can get that down to zero uh, in eight years because we can just renegotiate the terms. <laughs> God, at some point we're going to look back and say, what the fuck was that? But anyways, that was an interview that he did. <laughs> and then it went under his watch from 20 um, to close to 30 trillion. So it's just that's it, it is. That's the direction that it's going to. And no one is running for office at this point, running for president um, with any in- intentionality about that. I saw recently that Mitch Daniels, who is an old timey type of Republican, um, yeah. uh, who's been the president of Purdue University until recently, he's now being talked about as a candidate for either governor or senator. I think senator. He was former governor of uh Indiana. Syrian American, too. Um, Syrian American. By the way. Um, and uh, I doubt that he does it. I, you know, I, w- I would be happy. He's a nice guy. I've uh, interviewed him in the past. Yeah. Um, and he's that type of person who would care about that kind of uh, thing. But it's just not It's not a feature of our politics right now, nationally. And it's, it's definitely not a feature of our media. And I just want to point out that for all the uh, newspapers and news organizations that have created the democracy in peril uh, beat – uh, for this year and how we just have to like talk about uh, the importance of our uh, civic institutions and you know it's really important to get back to what really matters in journalism how much energy has been spent do you think journalistic attention has been paid even in the last i don't know two weeks one week name your pick your parameter compare the attention to elon musk Versus yes. the annual one point seven trillion dollar bill, yes. or even the the Pentagon bill, the eight hundred fifty eight billion dollar yeah. thing. That's a lot of money in a week to like just like scoot out the door. That's not what your journalist friends are talking about on Twitter. No, Turns out no, the ones no. who are talking about democracy all the time aren't covering government. How the fuck no. does that work? No, you get the sense that both with politicians. Um, and with journalists, that they don't really believe in much. That uh, some of them, when they're young, come into the game believing something. That's how they get to this point. That's why they start caring about politics. And they very quickly abandon that. I mean, it's a cynical way of looking at things, but, but good Lord, can you imagine that anyone actually cares in any substantial way about what is being shoved through in that $1.7 trillion? Could you imagine any journalists, you know, occupying themselves with reading one one hundredth of that bill rather than spending an afternoon on Twitter talking about this South African chap's threat to democracy? No, I mean, they don't care about things like this. I mean, they're they're bozo people. They're fake people that care about. I mean, this is the the ultimate, you know, it's where you end the end point of hot take economy you know the the hot take machines that started like in 2008 or something 2007 the blog universe then it became more and more and created entire companies like mike.com and huffington post people have no specialization they don't care about this stuff there are people of course that have specialization at politico and at the explosives company semaphore and (laughs) at various (laughs) other uh places um but not generally you're right. I mean, I, if you turn on the Twitter machine, the things that are trending are not the fact that the government is being, the plane of government is being flown into a mountain. 
<laughs> Nobody seems to care about that. It's more like, what did Elon say today? I don't fucking care. This is why I stopped tweeting. I don't give a shit. But this stuff I do kind of care about. You know, a lot of other stuff I give a shit about that I suppose they, they do too. But I just don't see it. And I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because it's been bothering me that all of these substantial things. I mean, think of the fact that I, I had a conversation today with Eli Lake. Eli Lake is doing a uh, a podcast uh, next week. I, I joined him um, and he's an old friend of mine. And I'm glad to hear it. I, oh, wow. That was literally my watch just said, I'm glad to hear it. Like, this is an Eli's watch. taking over my watch. Is it Eli's uh, thing? Yeah, my Apple watch is, uh, is uh, inhabited by... Uh, various <laughs> neocons um, but um yeah no we, we were we were um talking about this today i don't even remember what i was saying actually something about eli and, you were talking to you were talking to eli about his podcast something's happening next week uh, it sounds like you perhaps recorded something with yeah him. i recorded something with him but i was there was a point there was a point that i was making <laughs> and my fucking watch was like you know what you're not gonna make that <laughs> point. yeah you were just <laughs> getting in the way it was so, really it was a really good one sure. too uh, you sound you were like talking about what an, what annoys you i mean um, the, the, what, that's what i talk about all the time it's i know I, yeah. I was gonna say i've got something else that is likely annoying you i've noticed yeah. um very recently that on a couple of different prominent programs on fox news channel uh, a network with which i've had some previous experience and have some knowledge mm-hmm. about um they have been taking a particular interest in the JFK assassination, yeah. it's really uh, on the news new, cycle, which is not new. Um, but there, there have been some apparently some recent document dumps, yeah. um, and they are uh, reporting <laughs> on yes. on what sources are saying about classified documents that seem to provide some fresh insights uh, about what happened um, with the JFK assassination. Um, one hand, I know that yeah. you have a particular interest in this I, area. I do. We've talked about it in the past on the podcast. How, as mm-hmm. a as a young man, you were you were animated by, by this, yeah. um, the yeah. specter of conspiracy and came to believe that that magic bullet theory was false and that yeah, the Cubans yeah, yeah, were yeah. obviously in cahoots with the Russians yeah, to murder yeah. a president on behalf of the mob. Yeah. Um, how do you know that that's true, Michael Moynihan? And why Nobody why is Tucker Carlson only just discovering yeah, the truth I, I, you've I known find, all along? Yeah, this has been a very strange one. But you're right. I've mentioned this in the past that, oh, my God, Tucker I just have a Tucker Carlson clip just came up in my browser. I was trying to find this quote from him. But, um, no, I was, I was animated by this for, for a little bit because I was around people growing up that were in the kind of Kennedy universe, and I – was fascinated by this and uh, somebody in that Kennedy universe disabused me of this stuff and said, you know, look closely at this. It's all very fun, very fun to be a Jim Garrison, uh, uh, you know, Clay Shaw, all this nonsense that uh, Oliver Stone served up. I mean, it was later when I realized who Oliver Stone was, that like this is the least trustworthy person in America, that uh, he was making films about how great Hugo Chavez was. I was like, maybe, and Putin. Maybe this isn't the most trustworthy person. But um, Tucker Carlson had a little thing this week because there were more documents released. They do this every year and they hold them back. And I am on his side and on the side of anybody who's on the Daniel Patrick Moynihan side who wrote that great book, Secrecy, that Yale mm-hmm. University Press put out in the 90s sometimes. Sometime. And, you know, I don't understand. I don't think that it's justified to hold a lot of the stuff back because it gives a lot of oxygen to the conspiracy theorists. But in this, Tucker Carlson said he had a source a source told him that in the documents that have been 
held back. Um, it's just proof that the CIA killed Kennedy. No. <laughs> I will bet anything. If anyone wants to wager, I'm happy to wager. 1,000, 10,000, 50,000. Uh, give it to me <laughs> because you're going to lose. The idea that there is a source who knows and sees this stuff and there are other people, of course, that see this stuff over the years, too, that says that the CIA, in paper, on paper, the CIA killed President Kenny for what reason? We don't know. There's a bunch of crackpot things about Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but nobody has ever mentioned this before, except for to Tucker Carlson. That it was contained in documents. He got it. Uh, after the release of these documents, the guy's like, I can't take this anymore. I've known about this. I can't take it. But they didn't release the correct documents. So therefore, I'm going to just go. Who am I going to go to? Like historians? Uh, there's a bunch of people write about this. Uh, let, let me just call Tucker Carlson and say, you know what? As a source, I am your source. I have been reliably informed by the existing documents. The CIA killed President Kennedy. We don't have the time to go into why that this is crazy. But I have repeated many, many times something that I don't think gets enough attention, and I won't go into it again. But the if you want to believe in Russian misinformation, disinformation, this is the original one, mm. which was the JFK conspiracy, which they were very much involved in because they were scared uh, that Lee Harvey Oswald, having defected to the Soviet Union and married a Russian woman named Marina, brought her home, that they would be blamed for this because Oswald showed up at the Soviet embassy in Mexico very shortly before the assassination. Pretty logical to say, maybe we want to kind of wipe our hands of this and make sure that people know, and they, you know, they conveyed this to the government in the U.S., and then they tried to foment these conspiracy theories, knowing Americans love this stuff. Um, and a free country and a free press does love this stuff. Why this has become a thing now, I get that there's the news peg of these documents dropping, None of which are particularly interesting, by the way. But um, why this is a thing now where Tucker Carlson has become this very odd hybrid of a conservative and a Chomskyite and a conspiracy theorist. All these things mm -hmm. kind of rolled up together, which I don't even think he'd be upset about me saying. I, I, like, I think that he probably has a, a lot of respect for guys like Chomsky now because Tucker Carlson for a long time assumed his greatest enemy were the neoconservatives, which I understand being the time of the Iraq war, et cetera. But he's gotten to that place now where people are legitimately, and the other one, what's this guy's name? Jesse Waters? Jesse Waters, yeah. He was really stupid, by the way. <laughs> he's really, like remarkably dumb. And I, and he has that like kind of like sleazy look to him too, which is, I, was, I, I look at him and it's like, he's a guy that's going to sell you a lemon. He's going to sell you a shitty car that he promises. <laughs> but he was going on about this, too, is that he's because, you know, he's like Tucker Carlson Mankey. He's just trying to be. Yeah. He knows like he knows that this is how you become successful. You I think, imitate I think the quote from him this week was all experts agree. Yeah, um, no, sure. That's that, like that. The lone gunman theory is a lie. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's literally the like, fucking oh, dumbest thing I've ever heard. That yeah. is astonishing to discover. Yeah, Well, I mean, Jesse Waters, you look at him. Um, he looks like a guy who just washed out of like the worst investment bank on Wall Street. But you look at him and you say, oh, that's the guy that knows what all the experts think about this stuff. The experts do not agree on this, that the lone gunman theory. By the way, one of the greatest, most fantastically 
uh, executed conspiracy theories of, or conspiracies of all time, considering the American government could not keep the lid on anything else, by the way. You know, tried to kill Castro, COINTELPRO, uh-huh, we had fucking uh-huh. public hearings about all this stuff in the Church Commission. All this stuff ends up coming up, but this one, yeah, it not got the, through. Not the murder of a no, president. No, yeah. they didn't. This one was so important. Everyone's like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep yeah. my mouth shut. What is and then your... all of these people come? What is my theory? That what is Oswald your... killed him. No, 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 not that theory. <laughs> what is your theory for why they don't release the files? Um, oh, every yeah. year, there's, I mean, the deadline passes. It's been, yeah. I, for, I forget who was the first president, maybe Carter, to say, like, yeah. can we just go ahead and publish this already? And then yeah. so every year that they go through this thing and they publish some, but they're still holding on to big buckets of it. Um, so... Like yeah. why? Who's doing that? What? What? what is I your... think. Yeah, I think that's probably contained, sort of, in Moynihan, the other, the smart Moynihan's uh, uh, book on secrecy, which is they prefer mm-hmm. that none of it comes out. These agencies don't want anything coming out. They want to live mm-hmm. in that world of secrecy. They want to live in that world where there's no accountability. I mean, to say that the CIA did not kill John F. Kennedy does not mean that I'm a, uh, you know, just a booster of the CIA, and there's there's nothing they can do. That I think is wrong. I mean, I think most of the things they have done, they've fucked up over the years. But it's it's absolutely true that they would prefer that none of you. So if there's something about uh, Fred Hampton, for instance, where they make this film, you know, the Messiah, whatever this Black Messiah thing on HBO was, who was was the very young Panther leader in Chicago, which, by the way, you don't allow stuff to come out about this. And this is FBI more than anything. And you end up making martyrs out of people who sh- wouldn't ordinarily. I mean, this this what happened to Fred Hampton was was horrible. Um, but when you hold things back in these situations, you allow this idea. You allow the Stanley Nelsons of the world to create this idea of the Panthers, to create this idea of all these opposition groups um, in the 1960s as kind of heroically opposing the state and the state doing dirty deeds against them. It's not totally wrong, by the way. That is, I think a lot of that is true. But when you hold this stuff back, you allow that to take a totally different life form. Just an, an all-encompassing thing where, like, yeah, they really were, whew, the conspiracy really is there. So I think that, that keeping these things back, it's like if they keep 50%, 40%, 20%, the desired percent every time is 100 They don't want to release any of this stuff, ever. And it is about the kind of you know, internal culture of these organizations. Do I know that to be true? No, I've heard this from people that I trust. Um, I don't believe that they're holding things back that is a smoking gun of any sense because the smoking gun was found in the Texas School Book Depository on the very day, on the 23rd of November, the uh, 22nd of November, 23rd of November. Um, and, you know, Oswald escaped and then killed a police officer, Officer Tippett, and then sat down in a movie theater. None of this is complicated. The things that complicated is like, why would Jack Ruby do something like that? You know, why would he kill? Uh, he must have been trying to hush. And, you know, to say I'm a patsy, yeah, he's trying to get off. <laughs> he's trying to say that it wasn't me. It's a way of saying it wasn't me. Um, but he said I'm a patsy, but he's not going to reveal who it was, by the way. He doesn't want to reveal it. He wants to tell you who, that it wasn't me, but he's not going to tell you who it was. It's like, okay, I get how this works. So this stuff is like, it's all, none of this is about history. None of this is about what is real. It's about what you want to be real. It's what you want to be true. 
it's not a coincidence that all of like Mark Lane, who is the, you know, eminence grease of the conspiracy universe, was somebody of a particular political persuasion. The, it's not it's never a mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. It's never a mistake that everybody who thought that Benghazi was X, Y and Z were Republicans. It's not they all came to this conclusion. They're like, oh, shit, are you a Republican, too? No, I'm a Republican, too. What the fuck? We look at the evidence. No, they have something they're trying to smuggle into the conversation. And it is ideologically correct. And this is now Tucker Carlson's thing, because conservatives now, it started with Donald Trump. I remember Donald Trump's interview with Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, they hate the deep state. Bill O'Reilly interview is like, you know, hey, we've done a lot of bad stuff, too. I'm like, all right, fucking Howard's in. I didn't know you were running for president, but good. <laughs> it's like, you know, we've done a lot of bad stuff. Like, that's not what Republicans said before. But in that universe, now that is what people say. That's fine. Because it doesn't make a difference if a Republican says it, a Democrat says it, a liberal says it, a conservative says it. It does not make it true. I spent my evening last night after I drank 72 bottles of wine. I got into bed and I started reading a book that I absolutely love, is a fantastic writer. He died in 1989 about Sacco and Benzetti, something I was taught as a kid. I grew up in Massachusetts. This happened in South Braintree, where my grandfather worked in Braintree. And he was, they were prosecuted in Dedham, Massachusetts, a very Massachusetts thing. There, there was literally no point at, at, at which I was told that they could potentially have been guilty. And there's a number of monographs now from you know, significant scholars that say, yeah, a lot of them just say, Sacco guilty, we don't know about Vanzetti. The same thing, you know, Rosenberg guilty, we don't know about Ethel. But this is a common fucking thing, right? I mean, there are people who have political designs on this. Sacco and Vanzetti were left-wing anarchists. There's a reason people defended them. And in this book, there's a great moment where this guy says, this historian says, I found this amazing book about Sacco and Vanzetti trial, and I realized it was published in East Germany by an East German government. And he went to East Germany to interview the guy who did the book. And he basically says, no, we were, it was, because they want credit for it in East Germany. It was entirely a communist operation to defend them. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's really interesting. He's like, no, 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 that's, it was us. We're great. We, were, we actually did it. But in his world, is like, oh, wow, that clarifies why people um, came to the defense of Stockholm. I think we knew that at the time. Same thing with the Rosenberg, same thing with Alger Hayes. If you take the politics out of all of this stuff and just look at the raw history, no one does that. And once they do, you find a lot of guilty people. You find a lot of guilty people because these conspiracies are too hard to maintain. That's the Occam's razor. Nobody can keep the secret of Mm -hmm. I planted explosives in fucking World Trade Center 7. (laughs) 55 people planted explosives. No one said a fucking thing. Hold on. Are you are you maintaining now that Osama bin Laden is guilty? (laughs) Is he going to be in your guilty book, too? He might have had something to do with it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, he could have. He looked a bit dodgy yeah. with that, you know, beard. It was a pretty good beard. <laughs> Hipster terrorist. Sorry, I've been drinking I, all day, so I'm a little... No, yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's up. fine. I, I think it's worthwhile to turn our attention to some of the January 6th stuff and oh, some yeah. of the other Trump-related stories this week. This week has been uh, not so great for Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> although, interestingly... Seems to be every it, week. It's shocking to me, actually. It's only Wednesday. I, I'm forgetting that we're only halfway through the week. The week began with the January 6th committee releasing the executive summary of a report that is apparently going to be released in full by the end of the week. The executive summary focused primarily on Donald Trump, 
the big headline is that they are recommending to the Justice Department that they pursue criminal charges. In addition to that, um, we also had an executive summary, but again, not the release yet of the documents related to Donald Trump's tax returns during his time in office. Camille, can I read them to you? Yeah, the charges? The yeah. four, there are four referrals. Yeah. Is obstruction of an official proceeding. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. <laughs> he was, it's like lying to the American people. He had, it was a conspiracy to defraud the entire United States. Uh, conspiracy to make a false statement and conspiracy to defraud the U.S. by assisting, aiding, or comforting those involved in an insurrection. Now, I want people to remember about this because it's important, is that none of this, it has this kind of faux legal, you know, legalese and this kind of idea of legality. There's nothing nothing binding about this. I could write recommendations like this. Got it doesn't mean anything for you people. It's a lot of recommendations. The Justice Department yeah. can take this and wipe its dog dog's ass with it and throw it out the window. It doesn't make a difference <laughs> what they do with it. It's not like, oh, they've done this, so now we have to go through a process and see if these charges will stick. No, that's not true. This is something they've essentially invented and in saying, we'll throw this back to the Justice Department. And it's a very political thing at the same time. It's not saying it's not true. I'm not saying that they haven't done good work or interesting work, but it's not a legal proceeding in the way that they kind of present it. I love the idea yeah, of I mean, a I'd... conspiracy to make a false statement. Yes. A plot <laughs> to say a word that isn't true. What? Conspiracy to defraud the United States and conspiracy to make a false statement. Yeah. To make a false, can like, make a false statement is like you'd expect really a plural. That one. Can I expect a plural at least yeah. a little bit? The hell, Go yeah, on, that man. one's not not convincing. So we have the January sixth stuff. We have um, the Trump's tax returns, which again not yet released, but an executive summary of them suggests he didn't pay taxes um, for okay. um, or at least two years <laughs> during during his term in office. I guess for two years he did pay, and for two years he didn't. This is amazing, um, but also that he was just losing money at a pretty extraordinary clip per his tax returns. It's possible that there was some fraud involved there, some misrepresentation of his financial circumstances. But isn't um, but it, it also amazing seems that to be during like the- wild, widely understood that his net worth yeah. declined pretty precipitously yeah. while he was in office, which is very unusual. But isn't it crazy that like during the campaign, he was like, yeah, I'll show you, my, you can't see my taxes. I'm getting audited. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to show you because I'm clearly cheating. And then during his presidency, he still pays no taxes. He's not like, okay, let's get it together now because they've, they're on to me. And he's, he's not just being like, Fuck audited. It, I'm going to keep going. He's not being audited. I think. I think no, of course. He wasn't being audited. Yeah, he wasn't yes. being audited for 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 a period while he was in office, which is which is interesting. Yeah, it was the a single, lot. Um, the single most uh, interesting thing about this, I don't give a shit about what's in the tax returns unless someone really finds the flaming pie to throw in front of my face, um, mm. is uh, precisely the auditing. Barack Obama was audited every year as president. Um, uh, uh, Joe Biden has been audited twice as president. And Donald Trump was not, as far as I understand, audited as president. Um, but wasn't there the suggestion that the IRS willfully did not and pulled back from auditing him yeah. to to I, I think prevent? The su- I think the suggestion that is suggested in the executive summary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, that strikes me as pretty damaging. If that's pretty- however it happened to audit the guys before every year 
the guys after every year and you who are weird and lie all the time yeah. and have a lot and of business. Clearly lying and like that. you have a hotel across the street from the White House <laughs> yeah. right called down the, the street. Trump yeah. Hotel Trump that like your family yeah, yeah. members are involved with managing. Um, yeah. Like, like. I don't know. Sebastian Gorka at the bar doing that's shots pretty of hardcore. Yeah. Could you imagine if Barack Obama had like a referral code for the Hyatt and every time lobbyists <laughs> come to town, well, the, like, did you use my it code? Ob- it was literally the Obama <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> did you use my code? The Obama um, Inn. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So crazy. It's crazy. I was, yeah. I, I, I'm sure I said at least once on the podcast, I, I thought that, you know, there was so much, uh, uh, crazy smoke and fire in the Trump administration that at some point it would die down enough so that we could just get down to the really boring and right in your face corruption. <laughs> the fact that he's got a Trump hotel yeah. across the street from the white house. And it never did like that never became too much of a thing mm-hmm. because there is all these hysterical accusations about him being a, a, a stool for the Russians and a, you know, an actual double agent, this kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. seventy-five different impeachments. Like it never, his workaday <laughs> corruption never <laughs> got there, which is crazy. But you remember it, at the beginning, before the Russia stuff, it was all about the emoluments clause. Emoluments. That was like um, emoluments oh, constantly. Like that was going to be it, and it's like. Then they took their eye off the ball, and they're like, he is an FSB agent. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know if that one's going to stick, but keep going. We got the guy. It's Carter Page. I was like, that guy's literally selling tacos in a food truck <laughs> at Prospect Park. Like, are you fucking kidding me? He's the big spy? So, whatever. Any surprise with the, I think, rather low level of interest in the outcome of the January yeah. 6th commission, That's given, weird. given That's where weird. things began. Um, cause we were, we were talking about these kind of these incredible ratings for the first day, TV the, producers, the yeah. multiple day live simulcasts of these hearings. And then it just peters out in the days before a massive holiday with Democrats losing control of the house you get a referral that seems unlikely to generate much fire in the Justice Department. This keeps on happening, right? I mean, all of these things, the the Mueller reports, you know, um, I remember the Mueller reports, everyone's like, you know, reading through it, like waiting and reading the tea leaves. But the thing about it is, is that you can read the executive summary, summary. you can listen to Liz Cheney's summation of it at the beginning of the hearing on Monday and say, yeah, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. I would agree with everybody on that, that he's a piece of shit. He's a liar. He's a fraud. Everything bad that you can say about him in a sort of generic way is probably true. But it's the fact that people overreach constantly. They're constantly trying to say, no, there's not something dodgy about the campaign and people have done some things that are really shady. It's he's an FSB agent. There's a P tape, that kind of thing. What happens <laughs> here P-tape. is like, you forgot about the P tape, right? Yeah. What happens here is that <laughs> w- they're waiting and people tend to forget this. They're waiting for some intermediary to be communicating mm-hmm. 
with the Proud Boys and with the fucking nine percenters and the 58 percenters and the fat LARPing jerk offs with their fucking AR-15s that they hid in their car because they're such great revolutionaries. They're too scared to bring them to the ellipse because they might get arrested. This is great. These are people who really want over there. That's what they imagine the beer hall putsch. If we want to make the fascist comparison, everyone's like, we left our guns at home. We might, you know, be hit with like a 60 day charge for this. We don't actually want to do it. The, the idea of this was constantly that there was going to be that person who was the conduit from Roger Stone to the Proud Boys. or What's the other guy's name? What's the fucking guy who went to Yale? The dummies. There. Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers. The Oath Stuart Keepers Rose. and the Oath Keepers are taking, they're saying, or they're giving orders. The truth of the matter is that Donald Trump gave a rabble-rousing speech. The people went up there. He didn't fucking care. He didn't want to go and tell them to stop because he's Donald Trump. And he's like, you know, these guys, they're, they're patriotic. They're doing their thing. And then he puts out some half-assed tweet long after the fact and says, ah, oh, just peacefully, guys. Peacefully, guys. And there's a lot of illuminating stuff in, the, in what we found out from the January 6th commission. He, he did say peacefully during his, his remarks. He said yes, but he also said give him hell he said, about three seconds he said, later. March peacefully and patriotically. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. later he was like, go up there, give him hell. I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's probably you have two to fight like You've got to fight, fight like hell. Fight like hell. Like country anymore. That's, yeah, it's a bit of a double means peacefully. There. Yeah. That's the, in my Peaceful, experience. fight like hell. In, in you know, fight like hell peacefully. In your five Yeah, metaphorically. Most of the hurricane reference. Yeah. It's just funny. It's just always um, strikes me as kind of funny that they always mention the fight like hell line and they always omit the fact that he said peacefully and patriotically march. Um, Maybe I just don't think there wasn't an outbreak of, of I don't, peacefulness I don't think at the Capitol afterwards. So the, the, well, it yeah, was mostly the line that peaceful, they want, Matt Welch. I mean, if, if you suddenly <laughs> like that line, then that's great. But like, no, uh, I don't suddenly yeah. like the line. I think yeah. This is the euphemism we use. Yeah. No, I know. I'm mostly saying. peaceful when it's not peaceful. Like, <laughs> there's a reason why that was bad in every context. Um, yes. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people don't really care about the tax returns is that there is an acknowledgement, even if it is uh, tacit or unconscious, that he doesn't matter nearly as much as he did even a month ago. Like if he hmm. was, if the prime directive was like, this man must be stopped, then people would be looking, combing through more directly for such nuggets as, and this is my favorite tidbit might even get um, your attention is that Melania uh, earned $3,842 of modeling uh, one year. What do you what? see? I don't know. What was the, I don't remember this one. What was that shoot like? Oh, it was going oh, on. It was for it was for the OAN network. Uh, put a, a a fur on and say you got to watch OANs and the newsmaxes. Uh, Three thousand dollars. I think two thousand eight hundred modeling last year and some odd dollars. And then hilariously, because it's the Trump Organization, and this is how they're going to do it. They're like, oh yeah, she also had um, modeling related expenses of uh, three thousand eight hundred <laughs> something on top. We're not going to tax any it. of it. I believe yeah. it. That's yeah. fair. I've got to buy the makeups for three thousands. <laughs> Is Melania at Sephora today again? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Good Lord, I'm going to stop drinking. Oh, man. I mean, the real takeaway of the Donald Trump tax story is that the, the tax code is a 
total nightmare. I mean, and he said in the fucking all. debate, yeah, I'm he's smarter never embarrassed than you. by this. Yeah. I'm, he's smart. like, I'm smart. That's why I didn't pay taxes. Like, I didn't fucking pay. You didn't, you didn't, that's right. like, he's hiding his tax returns. Like, yes, he is, but he's also telling you that he's cheating. He's like, I'm smart. I, I get away say, with it. He didn't say he's cheating. No, well, he's he was like, you guys are dumb fucks, and I'm smart because yeah. I'm smart. And Hillary, you've been there for 30 years, and you won't fix it. That's amazing. Um, that's my favorite. Didn't say he would either. He did a lot of um, fixing. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, man. Can we talk about the Stanford thing? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about this Stanford thing, Michael Moynihan. Yeah. What What, what have you to say about uh, this? I guess I saw the opinion piece in mm-hmm. the journal. I don't know if there was a, a larger write-up about it, um, <laughs> but, there was, but there was an opinion piece in um, the Wall Street Journal about Stanford's elimination of harmful language yes. initiative. Um, it's, which, but they, 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 it's called Echlai. They love, they love all of, like, this is Echlai. And then this, this was from the Stanford CIO Council, Siok. And then the people of color in technologies, Pocket. They have the acronyms for everything. Pocket. 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 Yeah, P O C I T. Pocket. People of color in technology. Yes. Yes. And then this consortium of organizations came together um, to compile a document, uh, the title of which was Elimination of Harmful Mm -hmm. Languages Initiative. This was an 18 month long undertaking, and it produced uh, a PDF. Um, the goal of which was the elimination of harmful language initiative yes. is to eliminate many forms of harmful language, including <laughs> racist, violent, and biased, e.g. Yeah. disability bias, ethnic yeah. bias, ethnic slurs, mm-hmm. gender bias, implicit <laughs> bias, sexual <laughs> bias, language in Stanford's websites and code. Um, and the list is a number of things that you've probably heard before in a bunch of other contexts in just a usage of phrases like master as in the slave master mm-hmm. relationship and programming language or master bedroom. Um, <coughs> yeah. Half breed is apparently, Literally no one says that, but okay. is apparently a word that sure. was being sure. thrown around casually yeah. at Stanford yeah, and someone needed to yeah. know. Yeah. That this Everyone is bad. In Palo was like, look at that half breed. Um, <laughs> um, they also attacked uh, surprisingly people of color, which was a surprise to me. I did not expect oh, wait, they them did? to say, I didn't see that. Yeah, people of color is no longer acceptable. Um, and the, the way it works is you get, instead of people of color, try using, and in this case, it's BIPOC. Um, wow. And the context here is if speaking about a specific group, name that group. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't just use people of color because that's dismissive. It's reductivist. Mm-hmm. And you have to be specific. Let's use mm-hmm. BIPOC instead, which, eh. Um, but also straight is problematic. Mm-hmm. You should use heterosexual because the term straight obviously implies that this is somehow normal um, and everything else is a deviation from straight. I'm actually not mm-hmm. sure how it implies that, but whatever. It doesn't um, everything else is crooked. Yeah. And crooked is bad. <laughs> yeah, you crooked is a everything else is more interesting. I mean, I think that's what it is, right? I have, straight is kind of boring, I have an exercise right? here. I want to I do this exercise with you guys. I oh, know. Uh-huh. Um, before you do this, by the way, there was a... <laughs> <laughs> There's a content warning at the beginning of this because to engage <laughs> with these harmful language, you have to talk about the harmful language. Yes. Which is itself can be harmful. So reading this document <laughs> is like being beaten by a, by a pack of 
wild animals or you know this, content this warning we- well, that's probably offensive wild animals protective yeah. gear this content website warning contains this. language <laughs> this website contains language that is offensive or harmful please engage with this website at your own pace oh yeah yeah <laughs> your own pace okay so camille pace. said 18 months too much um yeah. it was a 13 page pdf Yes. So I'm going to go to you, Matt Welch, yeah. and we're just going to do this randomly. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to ask you to pick a number between one and 13. Pick a number now. Uh, seven, obviously. <laughs> seven. Okay, let's go to the page seven. Uh, Vanna, just say page seven. And I'm going to ask you uh, between one and about 20. Yeah. Give me a number. Uh, 11. 11. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Um, stupid. Oh. <laughs> Stupid? <laughs> Still, don't say stupid. Um, yes, say stupid. Why? Once used to describe a person who could not speak and implied the person was incapable of expressing themselves. Well, via no, no, speech, no. they probably couldn't, you dumb fucks. No, no, no. The, the, word, is, the word is mute. The word is mute. Yeah, it mute. They exactly. Speak. They don't know what to talk about. It's not about. stupid. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, stupid is for people who are dumb. And cannot yeah. put sentences I mean, together like the people who made this fucking PDF. <laughs> you guys stupid are stupid cunts. We're cognates at some point, but thank you for saying cunts. Go on. Matt, can you guess? Yeah. For all the, the money in, in, in the pot that we've uh, you know, created from, for this prize that I've just invented is $25 in the pot. <laughs> yeah. uh, what one of the two words that are suggested as replacements for stupid, what would those oh, be? Oh, God. Uh, differently uh, uh, intellected mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. would be one. Um, be one. What's the other one? Um, challenged. No, the correct one is retarded. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, two words, the two words are weirdly, this is so crazy. This is like they don't, they take language and they make, they flatten into a point where nothing means anything. Stupid. The, re- the, the request from the people of Stanford is that you replace the word stupid with boring no. No, no, it's just no. no, it's a different word. Or uncool. <laughs> no, also a different word. Also a different word. Okay, one more, Matt. Wait Matt a Welch, second. Wait a second. Our contestant. No, 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 it doesn't make a difference. It's no, not, none of this makes sense. <laughs> there are a lot Between of smart and uncool 13, people. Have you met libertarians? You are, yes. Yeah, they're also <laughs> retarded. <laughs> Between Socially. one and 13, pick one more. Give me another number, Matt. Five. Five. Okay, we're going to go to page five. Vanna, will you change? Okay, change the wheel. I am going to choose from this on my own, and we're going to... (laughs) We're going to to pick a couple of these, maybe because they're too good. Uh, One is the word that is banned, ladies. Ladies? Ladies. (laughs) And I'll tell you why it's banned. Lumps a group of people using gender binary language that doesn't include everyone. No, it doesn't include men. It includes (laughs) ladies. So it's ladies. Matt, what would you guess that the replacement word for ladies is? Come on. Vagina havers. That's (laughs) correct. No, it's not. Um, Because some trans people don't have vaginas. It's everyone. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it's not. It's not. You dumb fucks. It's you don't everyone. replace ladies with with everyone. Hey, everyone. This is less specific language. But the same document also suggests replacing gentlemen with yes. everyone. For is it, okay, the same so you're being. It's on. Yeah. It's on. Um, okay. So uh, Indian summer. Uh-oh. Is yes. now banned. 
Yeah. Uh, this term refers uh, infers that indigenous people are chronically late. No, is that what Indians? <laughs> It does not. not. That's not not what that means. <laughs> that's that's not the problem. Well, not it may, even it a may be bit. innocently used to describe a beautiful time of year. Yeah, it could have an unintended negative impact on those who hear it. We res- we this is actually not what Indian summer. So they, we will replace no it with what that. two words? Late summer. No, late summer. Now the next one is for Camille. White Very specific for Camille. Un- unmolested, though. Um, so we don't use unmolested because it makes people think of priests and makes them <laughs> traumatized by being molested by them. Um, or played with by people of different sexual orientation. Um, this next one is Karen. Yes. Uh-oh. Karen is banned. Yes. Um, this term is used to ridicule or demean a certain group of people based on their behaviors, Camille. Right. Central Park Cam- yeah. K- Karen. The replacement of this... Is a masterpiece. Yes. The replacement is. We don't want to talk about race or anything like that. Right. We just generally talk about things very broadly. <laughs> but the replacement for this one, we're going to make this an, is exception. an exception. Yes. The exception is demanding or entitled white woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my God. Too fucking oh good. God. I mean, I would love Karen just isn't good is... enough. It's not good enough. We have to be specific. Yes. And I also don't love that this term is used to ridicule or demean a certain group of people based on their behaviors. Well, no, it's it's meant to demean people of a particular race and gender. That is what's actually happening mm-hmm. here. So they specify mm-hmm. it. Um, and it is it is gross. You know, what's funny is I thought initially that they didn't um, that uppity like wasn't on the list. And it struck me that mm-hmm. uppity is very much kind of a similar sort of device. Very fifties, um, like you, the uppity Negro is the phrase that comes to mind. Um, the notion that this is this is similarly uh, a demanding or entitled black person. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, you can use uppity, so then maybe this is this is fine. But no, uppity is off limits for precisely this reason because it's mm-hmm. gross and crass to describe someone. On a, in a, in accordance with their race, at least there is gender neutral. Um, but no, white women are an exception, um, and they can be derided on account of their whiteness um, and their woman their womanly whiteness um, mm. with respect to their behavior. And it's uh, it's obviously deplorable, but it's also consistent with the just ridiculous idiocy that is yeah. overwhelmingly present in this entire document. Uh, um, I I want to revisit the document, Camille, because I like it so much. Uh, so if you can allow me this, I'm going to give you... This is um, the lightning round. Okay. <laughs> so if you can allow me the lightning round, yeah. we're going to start, and I'm just going to read a- the word, and I'm not going to read the, the, the replacement word. I mean, you can imagine what those are. I'm just going to read you the context given by Stanford. Are you ready mm-hmm. for this lightning round? Mm-hmm. Okay. Black hat. Assigns negative connotations to the color black, racializing the term. Black mark. Assigns negative connotations to the color black, racializing the term. What? Black sheep. Assigns negative connotations to the color black, racializing the term. Black bald. Assigns negative connotations to the color black, racializing the term. Black box. Hidden mystery box opaque. Flight recorder is another one you're supposed to say as, as a replacement for black box. Literally, it says... You can't use black box. You have to say fucking flight recorder because these people are fucking mental. Associates negative connotations, <laughs> assigns negative connotations to color black racialized term. Blacklist, blacklisted, denialist, 
disallowed. Oh. Assigns negative connotation to the color black racializing term brown bag. <laughs> Historically associated with the brown bag, paper bag test that certain yeah. black sororities and fraternities used to judge, judge skin color. What? Those really? whose skin color was darker than the brown bag were not allowed to join. You should replace brown bag. If you're asking, is that like a brown bag lunch? Very racist term. The, <laughs> the replacements, I can't even believe this is real. What is wrong with you? The replacement is lunch and learn. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not the replacement. No. Lunch and learn. It's a paper fucking bag. If you are. are gangbusters. Are... <laughs> Gang, mass, gangbusters. Unnecessarily invokes the notion of police actions against gangs, quote unquote gangs. It's in, that's in scare quotes, gangs, in a positive light. What? unnecessarily invokes the notion of police action against quote-unquote gangs in a positive light, which may have racial undertones. Do you think that these people might be racist? <laughs> it's a little Because when I hear gangbusters, it went gangbusters. I don't Fucking, think of black people. That's true. I Al Capone. I don't either. Gang, I think about the untouchables. There are gangs that are white people. It's the untouchables that are, comes to mind. Yes. <laughs> Elliot Ness, <Yes>. motherfucker. <laughs> there's Hispanic gangs. There's white gangs. There's Aryan Nation gangs. Why do these motherfuckers associate gangs with black people? Know. This is the most racist fucking document I've ever heard. That's bad. There is that's a lesson... There's a lesson embedded in that brown bag example, which is that I'd never heard that. That's actually interesting. That, you never heard history, lunch and learn. I've never heard lunch oh, and learn. Oh, you've never, never heard again about here the brown paper bag test. Learn. Yeah, the people were yeah. doing a brown paper bag test. Maybe this is why yeah. they know. Maybe it's not. Whatever. But like, it's fun to learn facts about the etymology <laughs> of phrases. No, it is. It's actually. I'm not fun. even sure that that's true. But yeah, it's probably not, it, not true. It I mean, it's, like it is. it's kind. Of, that's that's a definitely a thing. Um, it's a thing. It was yeah. a thing for sure. The brown paper right. Bag. Yeah. So yeah, like sure. you you want to to know about that, and you would think at a, a, a you know generally prestigious university that maybe a great project would be here's a bunch of words that are in common usage um, that have become a bit divorced in many cases from some of their beginnings that we might find to be interesting, sometimes unsettling or whatever, and so we're going to publicize knowledge about those words just to enrich your understanding. George Orwell, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably in the, on the English language essay talked the about politics, all, these, yeah. politics yeah, yeah. all the uh, figures of speech that people just sort of use and they're not, and I'm as guilty as any human being of this. Like you just, you don't know, uh, uh, it's background. Like, for instance, I learned on Twitter, I think today or yesterday from obviously Iowa Hawk, Dave Burge, that balls to the wall is not a testicular reference. What? It refers mm-hmm. it refers to a spinning uh, kind of ball bearing mechanism here where it once it rece- uh, gets oh, that makes to sense. a certain level yeah. mm-hmm. and the, the balls rise up and then go against it, then you know that you're really going pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love to learn that kind of stuff. And that's more interesting than um, like an attempt to eliminate Hi, we have a project here at the Stanford University. Um, we're going to do some language eliminationism. No, that's not what the university should be doing. I think about this in terms of the word blacklist. Recently, over at uh, Paloma Media, we have this little uh, like person of the day feature there where like someone who was born or died that day or some big event that happened. And I do the ones that are published on Monday. And did William Lloyd Garrison. It's just an excuse to like do a little research about someone who I didn't know that much about. Abolitionist, uh, Boston, Baltimore, both. Uh, great, you know, huge, huge person in uh, American publishing history, abolitionist history, and so on. Uh, intellectual, great. Uh, 
and he had a regular column in a paper whose name I forget, but it had a fantastic name in uh, Maryland, and he called it the Blacklist. Um, mm-hmm. Was it was that a racist name that the founder of the abolitionist yes. movement had? Uh, was talk he about white, Matt? Uh, he was white. <laughs> he, was, he was a I believe white. he was. I believe that the the uh-huh. Liberator was an edited by a white person. Uh, it, it's not even just the Liberator that had the great name. The paper that he worked for originally before the Liberator, that where he did the uh, Blacklist, also had like a fantastic, yeah. crazy the white supremacist. I think it was ye called. old name. Uh, the Blacklist was intended to uh, to publicize whites who were doing horrible things to slaves and other black people. It was just like. It was a naming and shaming exercise against people who were acting in an inhuman way on racist grounds. And like you can't trust these people, by the way, with the etymology of these phrases, number one. And number two, the idea that the etymology of the phrases that and phrases that change over time have to be traced back to their most offensive, you know, roots, if they were even offensive and say that we have to eliminate them because you don't even know about these offensive connotations. It would be bad if you did, if you knew that, like, you know, I'm fine with someone saying, like, you can't, you shouldn't say jip, right? Because it's gypsy, right? You're, you're jipping someone, you're ripping them off. I get I, it. It's I a, it's a direct... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still use it all the time. Because, you know what? Literally, there's gypsies camped out in my lawn. I'm like, trying to get rid of them. Yeah. They just, they're like, we're travelers. Call us travelers. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Well, <laughs> either way, you won't leave. Um, but this thing where you say, like, in this, in this list, like, you can't use sold down the river. The term originally referred to a person who was enslaved, who was sold as punishment. Is that true? Grandfathered. The term has its roots in the grandfather clause adopted by Southern states to deny voting rights to blacks. Does it? Grandfather, this term has its roots in grandfather clause, etc. I'm not sure because I don't trust these mm-hmm. people at all. Yeah. Because, But beyond that, things have weird etymologies. And if it touches upon something that is no longer acceptable or something we don't think today, do we try in this Orwellian way this Soviet way, this North Korean way, to expunge the language of any of its, you know, unfortunate roots, because they might, what, worm into your brain and make you racist or make somebody feel uncomfortable? Because if I said to any black person in the city where I live, sold down the river, nobody, I guarantee you, nobody would be like, whoa, buddy. That's for white people at Stanford. (laughs) <laughs> that's not for normal people not normal wait, black people just normal people wait you have black people don't in, the say city, stuff. in the city that you live no I'd like they're normal people they're just not, I mean they're black people they're white no one thinks that that's weird but at Stanford when you're trying to find offense mm-hmm. when you're sniffing it out mm-hmm. when you're trying to find these etymologies of words that might be a little bit off so you can grandstand about them and they get a boner changing the language they get so excited about it. But did you know? Like, no, I didn't. And I don't trust you, number one. But number two, it doesn't make a fucking bit of difference. Because if I didn't know, am I guilty in some way mm-hmm. of using racially insensitive language? Well, yeah. Probably not. No, no. The, by their Sold standards, down you the definitely river? are. Good Lord. Yeah. You can't say gray hat as a hacker. Hacker exploits weaknesses in cyber defense to bring the weakness to the attention of the owner. 
with the goal of improving security. That sounds great. No. <laughs> this term combines black, wh- black hat and white hat, which both hold racial connotations. Oh, so God, the mixture no. of colors No, is they bad. don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Mixing colors. Because <laughs> if you go back. It's spy versus black spy. Black isn't it some way. That's what it's it spy is. versus spy. It's so stupid. Exactly right. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. I, it's ridiculous. It, it's so funny. Like there, there's certainly some people somewhere was like, oh, "Well, what does it matter?" I mean, look these are these are good people trying to do a good thing. They're bad I, people. I, Sorry, I, I will. I will attribute. I think they're bad people. I'll attribute the good people trying to do trying to do nope. a good thing to they're them. They're bad. I'll, 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 I'll allow. <laughs> they're it. psych. They're psychotic. Some cult of members. them. Some <laughs> of them might be. Some of them might also be good people trying to do a good thing nope. who are psychotic cult nope. members. They're but Nixon. I think in this particular case, you. <laughs> you underscore <laughs> you underscore <laughs> the real harm of this kind of project, Moynihan, which is that mm-hmm. it does in fact inculcate this this norm of seeking mm. harm of imagining yeah. yourself as an aggrieved party and on a yes. college university campus in a, in a space where people are supposed to be seeking the truth confronting questions overturning norms and disrupting the status quo in that mm-hmm. in the process of doing this work sure like cultivating vulnerability like that creating these mm-hmm. these rhetorical minefields where anything that you say might potentially be dangerous and interpreted in the mm-hmm. worst imaginable way, unfairly, yeah. unreasonably interpreted in the worst possible way. Literally any invocation of the word black on campus is dangerous. Anyone. That is, that is, yes. that, that is actually what this document suggests. It's if fucking you stupid. It, then it's super. Dangerous. It is. It is absolutely <laughs> insane. No it's one is. Insane. No one is. No one is supported or helped by this. And and if in fact a generation of young quote unquote black students on university campuses and perhaps even in, in particular elite university campuses are in fact so vulnerable that the utterance of the word black in any context mm-hmm. other than a reference to them, which is, uh, mm-hmm. is deemed offensive <laughs> and is, mm-hmm. is a moment when they might burst into tears where they can no longer go on reading a web page and need to take a, a coffee sure. break or some shit. Then all yeah. of, all of you are to blame. Co- and that coffee is, is offensive because it was a black quotation <laughs> movie written by Jewish men. <laughs> So I would with Pam. Wait, Greer. how would you like your so, coffee? <laughs> how do you yeah, even say so? Exactly on campus. Exactly. Well, I guess I like have mo- to have cream mo- and sugar. I guess I have to. Yeah. I don't have a choice. Don't, I'm anything you say, I can fucking. Yes, I like it natural, <laughs> pure. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it strong. That's what I'd like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like strong my strong and proud. <laughs> like my man. Yes. <laughs> you can actually say black, no, black as fuck. Like that is okay, but. It is, but you understand. It's like in prison where they create a system yes. of like negative checkoffs, right? Of things that you could potentially violate, yeah, yeah. just to make, just to punish you, right? They create the minefield. Ugh. They create all these things that if you that you're going to violate one of them, and they enjoy it. So they, when they give you a like boring standard language, they're excited when they use it. They're not offended by it. They're excited that they can upbraid you. They're excited that they can tell you that this is wrong and you are doing it wrong and you have, you know, mm. internalized your white supremacy or something like this. But um, I do greatly enjoy the fact that one of the most prestigious um, uh, universities in the world. Li- yeah, literally. Um, yeah. Certainly America. Yeah, yeah. Um, is producing 
stuff that is so dumb <laughs> that it actually makes me laugh. Crack the whip. <laughs> Un- unnecessary use of violent imagery that paints the person being referred to as authoritarian or oppressive. They didn't even go slave on that one. Well, they don't want to use the word. They don't want to use the word. Steve was canceled. I, I just want <laughs> yeah. Matt. I've heard Matt use this one, and I really oh. want to, to him to stop. <laughs> um, beating a dead horse. You, you've said that. I've sure. heard that. Um, yeah, you yeah. have. You said flogging yeah. a dead horse. You said beating. Yeah. I think it's fucking gross because the context is. <laughs> this no. expression normalizes violence against animals no no how about fucking a dead horse is that all right <laughs> that's fine oh my god wait a second i didn't see this oh my god this is my favorite rule of thumb do you remember this what do you remember the fake controversy about um uh, uh, beating your wife does anyone did you know did, no. did what, what is this? it Keep there was going. a there was a moment in which people said that um, you could beat your wife provided that it wasn't wider than your thumb. It's a stick oh. or, a, or, or an object. Um, and people went looking for this because this became a thing. Don't say rule of thumb. Um, and no one could find any reference of this anywhere. Somebody just appears to have made this up. So erring on the side of caution, the Stanford, Stanford uh, <laughs> language Stasi <laughs> has said rule of thumb is banned. A standard rule or general rule um, is the replacement. So why is it banned? Why is it? Although no written record exists today. <laughs> no, they have it right there. Like, like in other words, there's no evidence. Oh, no evidence for this what we're about to say. This phrase is attributed to an old British law that allowed men to beat their wives with sticks no wider than their thumb. Although no wow. written record exists today, this is a fucking university. That would require of one when you're writing a paper have some sort of evidence to justify a claim, but not in censoring language. Apparently is attributed to is it is attributed to? We, there's no written record. Voice. That's great. We acknowledge it's not true, but let's just err on the side of caution here. And nobody. Because when I say rule of thumb, I think about Ike and Tina. It's <laughs> crazy. Literally, no Good one until this Lord. document ever took rule of thumb to mean. Oh, by no. the way, I endorse dudes yeah. hitting wives. Yes, I, the last one was Lord Cuntleroy, who was beating his <laughs> wife with a fucking twig that was not bigger than his thumb. I, I mean, these people are are menaces, and they don't mean well, Camille. Yeah, they don't. Sorry. Yeah, to you know that's true. Yeah, well, you can exhale all you want. You know it's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I have to. It's a, it's a rule that it's a rule that I apply, and I try to do it consistently. A rule of thumb, you mean? Yes. Where I attribute, I try to attribute the best motives to people, and I have to presume that at a minimum, some of these people yes. earnestly mean well. Um, and I, pr- I prefer to think about it that way. And that man was Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he did. Don't, he don't did some start. good things. He invented the microphone. <laughs> he, <did>. <laughs> <laughs> he invented the microphone. It's not nothing. Yeah, it is spare time. That's right. By the way. I suppose I'd be a Hitler fan if I was Kanye and I was on the mic and I was like, oh, uh, uh, Hitler did this shit. Oh, uh, 
It's like you knew that's oh, why you were a fan. God, does it have to always Hitler's come back? Microphone. To that. Always to Hitler. Damn you, and Kanye. Kanye. He's, he's gone quiet. Yeah, he's gone Defcon one. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone deaf. You can't say deaf either. Oh God, no. Yeah. Oh well, I suppose people who have auditory challenges. I suppose we should probably wrap up now. Um, now it's uh, the holidays. Yeah. The holidays <laughs> almost you. slurring. You're not louder, but you're almost slurring. <laughs> I'm not, but I did go to dinner before this and had like seven cocktails. Yeah, and you know, well, good. by the way, my first cocktail took 45 minutes to come, and I I lost my mind. I believe that actually. God. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, definitely don't have a problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no it's, I mean honestly, if it was a tiramisu, I'd do the same. I know. <laughs> just, I'm just. A, I may just have seen asshole. that actually. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I. I <laughs> to to all our listeners um, out there, it's been a a, a, a another year, um, and I'd say in many respects a very good year. Um, I hope it's been a good year for you. Um, I hope you are able to spend the holiday with your family and reflect on the most important things. You fired, <laughs> liberated. Liberated is the word liberated, I choose to use. Uh, if it wasn't a good year, I, I assure you next year will be better. I guarantee it. Um, or your money back. Um, and I don't mean mm -hmm. the money that you spent on this fine podcast, which you can subscribe no. to at our Substack, we the fit that. No refunds. I mean, you, when you want to get involved, <laughs> get involved, subscribe. Um, yeah. and thank you for helping us to have such a splendid year. Um, we love you. We care great. about you. Yeah. Unless you're one we of do. those assholes who hate listens. Although if you're an asshole who hate listens all the way to the end, thank you. Thank you for yeah. padding our download yeah. numbers. And send us an email, which we will not read on the air. That's right. And uh, which we'll throw immediately. In the That's right. I'll actually print it out <laughs> and then throw it in the trash. Just because I hate you so much. You fucking loser. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas to all. We might, we might do one night. more before, before the new year. So. Yeah, maybe so. We're going to do I, ho I hope so. We, we, hope we, got so. Some, we got some stuff, actually. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we do. Um, but, yeah, we celebrate Christmas here. Not Kwanzaa. Not Hanukkah, not any of that other stuff. Christmas. That's what we <laughs> do on this podcast. Celebrate Hanukkah. Okay. Hanukkah. Celebrate Hanukkah. Okay, you can celebrate Hanukkah. I suppose it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, please don't come for me. Like... That was just a joke. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. funny. Any, <laughs> we, we celebrate anything that wasn't invented by a, a drunk Ron yeah. Karenga. I mean, honestly. That's, that's... like <laughs> Holidays invented after 1954. Like, we can't celebrate those. I mean, it's the preposterous. 70s. I think it's mid-70s. Yeah. Yeah. Are you drawing the line at Brown yeah. versus Board of Education? Like, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Loving versus Ron Karenga. <laughs> so, no more Martin Luther King Day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, <not laughs> it's a holiday. It's more of a day off, I would say. It's not like a holiday, I think, is celebratory. Yeah. We celebrate um, the achievements of Martin Luther King every day on this podcast. That's true. Um, That's true. Every day. Yeah. The quality and the good, uh, the good like ones. That we love so much. The good ones. The good ones. Yeah. yeah of course. Only the good yeah. ones. And shout out. I'm shout out. Plagiarism is bad. Uh, yes. Shout out to our friend Ooh. Coleman Hughes, <laughs> who is newly on Substack and who wrote a piece for uh, Barry Weiss's The Free Press. Um, where he's talk, a contributor now. Yeah, where he's a contributor now, talking about uh, the Twitter files, color blindness. No, not the uh, yes, yeah, things. which he talked yes. about on our podcast and, first. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, quoting yeah. Uh, the uh, doctor, smart Martin. kid. Yes, and I still call him a kid. He's still young. Yeah, yeah I actually saw young. him. Uh, I saw him Monday playing playing his uh, his instrument there. Oh, oh did you, you go up and see that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's good. 
Yeah, showed up and see Gnome play everybody. Yeah, Gnome was over there working his ass he's off. Fucking he's so good. Yeah, crooning. So good. Don't it was yeah yeah. That that's the that's the best bar band in the world, and we got to keep it somewhat. They're secret. very good. Yeah. Um, Do we have to keep oh, yeah, it a secret? Amazing. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. I mean, um, I don't. But want you that saw some other people there. Some some friends. Of yeah, ours. I walked in the door and like the whole gang from Fire was there. Apparently, they'd had an event yeah. earlier in the evening. Um, so that yeah. was that was nice. Last time I was there, I saw our old friend uh, Andrew Schultz. Yeah, had a nice chat with him. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, he's a comedian. Yeah, but he's not. He's he wasn't there. Um, I think this week because according to his Instagram, he was in Morocco. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't watch the match in Morocco. That's when you know the guys succeeded in life. <laughs> yeah, with all <laughs> of his watch the Morocco friends, Max. In, yeah, like they all with his boys. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, all right guys. Bye. Thanks for a good one. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column.